Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the WatchRolling.com podcast, the veteran-owned podcast that focuses on watch collecting with the goal of helping veterans. My name is Jason, and I'll be your host, and welcome to episode one. A little background about myself, retired Navy veteran, did about 20 years, primarily a ship guy, did a lot of tours on ships, did a little time uh, on ground as well. I'm a relatively new watch collector, I'd say within the last 24 months, and it's uh, it's been a, it's been quite a fun journey, and I've learned quite a lot. But there's a lot more to learn. Uh, so you might be asking yourself why a podcast about watch collecting. Well, I always felt like if I had a voice and a hobby, uh, I'd want to be able to help fellow veterans. I mean, the hobby is the hobby; it's fun. But I wouldn't want to do anything like this unless I had a way to help fellow veterans and give something back to our community there. Uh, and oftentimes, those two communities merge. So. You know, the focus of this podcast is going to be on watch collecting. I'm going to try to offer you, you know, tips and tricks, uh, point you in the way of some resources. But the goal, the overall goal of the podcast is to help my fellow veterans. And I'll do the same thing like I would do with watches. Uh, The way that the podcast will go is, you know, there'll be separate segments, but the veteran helping segment will always be first. Uh, Because I feel that's the priority is to help fellow veterans. And if I can do that, even if it's just one, it'd be worthwhile uh, for me in doing this podcast. So. Let's get started with some veteran-related news. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is an excellent resource that I know about, and it's called Onet Online Crosswalks, specifically the military crosswalks. Now, I don't know if any of you have uh, retired or separated from the military or you're getting ready to, and yet, and if you ever had a problem like trying to, you know, translate what you did in the military into civilian, you know, terminology or verbiage so you can actually get your point across as far as what you accomplished in your military career. I know that was a big problem for me initially. Uh, Being a firefighter, not everything crosses over. ONET's online military crosswalks, and I'll include all the links in the show notes, um, is a tool that can very much help you uh, define what it is that you did in the military and put it in terms that will relate to more of a civilian field uh, when you do your resume. Now, it's not a tool that will solve your resume for you. It's just a tool that will help you do that. You know, you start to get managerial, supervisory, you know, skills that you develop or tools. And and it's nice to be able to quantify that and put it inside of a a resume so you can speak highly of yourself to your, you know, potential employers. So, you know, crosswalks is pretty easy. Uh, When you go there, there'll be the military crosswalk section on ONET. um, And you can, now they have it listed as the military occupation classification. For us in the Navy, it's the Navy enlisted classification. So NECs. You can put in verbiage as far as what your rate was or your MOS, but like, you know, for me, it would be a damage controlman or for someone that could be an operations specialist or a builder if they're in the CBs or stuff like that. You just type it in. Or if you have an actual Navy enlisted classification or an MOS number, you can type that in as well. You hit enter and then the jobs that best match that will pop up. At that point, you just click it and you're in. And once you get in, you're going to see a whole slew of information. There's going to be stuff like Detail, I mean, details about tasks that you've done, skills, knowledge, and methods, uh, you know, education requirements, related occupations, and wage trends, stuff like that. That's all going to be there just in a long list. Some of them are expandable, too. You'll see the top five um, items in each section, and you can just click a little plus icon. It'll expand it more. 
Uh, and I don't want to go too down in the weeds because in the show notes, I'll put some screenshots in there so everybody can see what I'm talking about and I'll add the links. But, you know, there's stuff that you realize that you haven't, I don't, I mean, there's stuff that I forgot that I even did, like I said before. So, you know, when it comes to detailing your task, well, you know, for me, as let's just use an instructor. You know, I was an instructor at one time, uh, develop training materials. I mean, you're talking lesson topic guides, curriculum development, all this stuff that you did. And there are jobs for that out there. And if you don't capture that in your resume, you might even forget that you did it and and miss out on a good opportunity at a good paying job because you forgot that you, you know, had a, a that you conducted tasks like developing training materials, uh, certain skills like instructing, you know, instructing is a skill in the Navy. I don't know about other services, but in the Navy, you go to a special school for that and you get a Navy enlisted classification and it's a whole series of steps and it is an actual skill. It's one that I've never really forgotten since I've gotten it. I could pretty much get up. I'd feel like get up in front of a room and teach anybody almost anything as long as I have a, a lesson topic guide to go off of, uh, knowledge, you know, you, for the instructor job, for example, you could have some education and training principles and methods for curriculum and training design. You know, let's just say that you handled weapons. Maybe you have, you know, weapons, firearm safety. Let's say that you were an administrative type person that you would have an understanding of drafting memorandums and official correspondence between people. Education requirements, like sometimes for some jobs that you do in the military, an equivalent job in the civilian world requires some kind of education requirements. So the list that. Uh, I know for my instructor Navy enlisted classification uh, back in the day, it gave you about 18 college credits. So, you know, it, it's kind of a hint that it does segue into something that's going to need some kind of certification later if you want to be a teacher. Uh, the related occupations section is pretty cool. It uh, lays out occupations that are similar to that. So, I mean, I guess maybe if you were a dispersing or payroll type person, they would have some related occupations, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a wage trend section, which I talked which I mentioned earlier. That section is really cool. You can put in your location information and it gives you like trend analysis of wage trends in the area for the job that you're interested in. And so that's ONET online uh, crosswalks, specifically the military section in a nutshell. There are other crosswalk sections for some trade, tradesperson stuff and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm gonna concentrate on the military one since this is the overall goal of the podcast is to help my fellow veterans, but it is a great little website. And like I said, I'll put the show notes, I'll put the links in the show notes and some screenshots to kind of help you navigate through. Now I want to close this section by saying that this website will not, like I said, solve your resume problems, but it does provide you, you know, some mental props for prompts for work that you've done and helps you capture it. So little things that you might've done, you know, take a second, stop and think about how often you did that, you know, add some numbers. I'm a big advocate of putting, you know, a cause and effect in your resume as well as numbers. So if you instructed a lot of people or, you know, drafted so many memorandums and you, you know, caused a reduction in, you know, administrative errors or something like that, it's important to capture that stuff in your resume because, you know, a lot of employees are going to want to see that you actually made a difference with the work that you did and there's no harm in, you know, tooting your own horn when it comes to that. All right, the next section, watch related news. So uh, today is March 28th, so you're going to probably get this released on the 31st, but Swatch and Omega just had a release and everybody's talking about it. Um, I'll include the link in the show notes for this one as well. And uh, what I got to say is the hype was pretty well. Uh, Omega Speedmaster uh, was a collaboration between Amiga and Swatch, and they basically made some affordable around the 260 USD dollar range uh, not limited edition uh, Speedmasters. And they're made out of a composite material. It was called bioceramic plastic. 
and it has some we looked at some of the ingredients there was some caster and stuff in there it's pretty cool i mean it looks it looks halfway decent um there's 11 models based on all the missions in space quote unquote uh there was a huge churn uh, as far as people uh, waiting in lines and to get stuff done and get stuff and people sell trying to sell them before they even came out on ebay for crazy insane amounts but you know, Swatch came out a little bit later and basically said, hey, look, we're going to sell these online relatively soon. They're not a limited edition, so you'll be able to get them, you know. And at that point, I was like, well, I'm not driving anywhere. I'll just wait till they get up online. Uh, my wife was super interested in the Sun Mission one, which is yellow. And there's a Mercury Mission one that's just this beautiful gray. Oh, man, so nice. Um, and for $260 USD, I think that's a pretty good price. Uh, they were released in the stores on 26 March. There were select locations across the across the world, and uh, the closest one to me was like about five and a half hours away. So that would have been a hike. Uh, and then they had limited numbers inside the stores. And then they initially said there was going to be two per person, but then they made it one per person. So that kind of uh, changed the dynamic of of what could be picked up. But I think they were trying to help eliminate you know people flipping them and and selling them on the secondary market for too much money. Uh, so my thoughts, well, I like the overall idea of the watch. I didn't really dig all the color schemes, but there's 11 of them, right? I mean, are you going to dig all 11 color schemes? I, I mean, I know if I bought a Toyota Camry, I wouldn't dig all the colors of the Camry model. So I don't think I would dig all the colors of these. Um, but I think that's the fun also in the whole model. There's 11 different ones to choose from. I mean, you know, if you like four of them, you can get yourself four little, you know, bio ceramic speed masters and, and wear them on the weekends or just jazz up your outfit, whatever you want. There's a little something for everyone. As far as being in the military goes, I think it'd be a fun watch to wear on Liberty. I mean, you know, usually I know the uniform requirements have loosened up a little bit, but back in the day, you, you know, basically, you know, black watch, silver watch, gold watch, not to distract when you're in uniform. Uh, I, I probably would still go that route. I mean, you know, if I was still active duty as far as wearing a uniform, but uh, it would be fun. You know, you pack a couple of these, they're quartz, they're going to run, you know, you, you just make sure your batteries change before you leave. And, you know, you go out on town when your ship pulls into port or whatever, and you have a cool little watch on your wrist and uh, they're not a little, they're a 43 millimeter di diameter. Um, I would go through the specs, but I mean, there's plenty of people going on YouTube videos on specs. So you can go watch those if you want. Uh, from a military aspect, I don't know if the watch looks like it could handle, you know, shipboard life or operations out in the field. It, it looks halfway decently well-made, but I don't know if it looks like it could take a pounding. So that's just something to think about if you're in the military or you live a pretty active lifestyle. Um, it might just be something you want to wear for fun and not something you wear when you're actually having fun kind of thing. I think it's a great price for someone that's interested in owning a Speedmaster. I mean, you can tell if you like the whole Speedmaster vibe and do so for less than three hundred dollars US, U.S. you know United States U.S. dollars, um, and that's cool, you know, especially for someone on a budget. I mean, I think about what it was like when I was new in the military. I didn't make a lot of money, and something like a Speedmaster Professional or even an older Speedmaster in the secondary market would have been, you know, a dream. I mean, I could accomplish it if I'd been disciplined. But I mean, let's be honest: how many young people when they get their first paycheck, especially like I was coming from a poor background. You know, if you weren't taught money and, and responsibility, um, it, it could be a long pipe dream. So being able to get a taste of the Speedmaster, get a feel for it, see if you like it. Do you like the overall design? Probably not. And, you know, Oris could have made some more affordable models uh, to make it, you know, slightly more attainable for a young person. You know, you have a Oris Roberto Clemente collaboration with somebody and, you know, you get it for less than $300 and you saved up some, you know, 
side job money or whatever, and you got this one, and it could be an entryway or you know just a little taste it to help you save up for the bigger piece down the road. So I think you know that was a missed opportunity on Norris's part, and I'm glad that Swatch and Omega came together and did this collaboration because the Speedmaster is a cool watch, and it's just going to make it more attainable for people. Um, and I don't think it's going to devalue an Omega Speedmaster because I mean, really, if you're buying the Omega Speedmaster because of its value and its resale value, and not for the fact that you enjoy wearing it, then I, I mean, I personally think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But I mean, that's just me. And Swatch made it affordable, so they don't have that problem right now with their, you know, Speedmaster collaboration with Omega. So you know, to close out the episode, uh, I'm trying to keep them between 15 and 20 minutes. They might go a little bit longer. Uh, if I have special episodes where I interview somebody, those will be standalone episodes and then go a little bit longer. Uh, I have a special feature called a veteran on their watch. I'm going to do one here in the next couple episodes for the first one that'll have an accompanying stories. Those can go as long as they want. Cause basically I'm going to interview a veteran, interview them about their cool watch and the story of the watch with them. And some of these watches are pretty cool. Some unusual models, some models that most people haven't heard of or have owned. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to that segment, a little plug for next week's episode is going to cover a school that teaches veterans the art of watchmaking. That's going to be the veteran topic. I've done an article on this before on my page, but I feel like giving it some audio is going to be pretty good. And uh, it'll just reinforce just how great this school is. And then I also pick my second most practical watch brand you can own while on active duty. Stay tuned. So in closing, I just like to say, you know, challenge yourself every day. I mean, try to do more, strive to do more and become a better version of yourself. I mean, it won't be easy. Trust me, I know. But uh, it'll prepare you for when life challenges you. Because I'm sure we all know, you know, when life challenges you, you know, it's usually not on your playing field. So while you have the ability, go out and push yourself. Uh, you won't regret it. And I'd like to do a couple of thank yous in this first episode. And i like to thank, you know, in no particular order, but these are the guys that helped, helped me on my way and uh, have had me on their shows and, and such. And I'll do more thank yous as more episodes go on because there's so many, but we're just going to do it from a podcast aspect is right now, you know, uh, the first people that had me on a podcast was the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast with Miguel and P. Ross. So to Miguel and P. Ross, thank you guys for having me on there. Um, thanks for giving me an opportunity to express my opinions on stuff. And, and I look forward to doing it again sometime and hopefully have you guys on one day. Um, I know that P. has military in his family and, you know, that's enough of an end for me because it probably does influence some of his watch collecting. I like to thank Eric over at Rico's Watches podcast. Eric's given me tons of information, giving me help, and uh, let me pick his brain on running a podcast. He does a long form podcast. Lastly, I like to thank uh, Adrian from over at Somewhere in Time. You can check him on YouTube. Catch him on YouTube. He does great watch reviews. Good dude. You know, Adrian made me my intro and outro music, and I'm gonna credit him when I put it in. Uh, I can never repay you for that, man. And those are my first three big, you know, thank yous to the community to give back. There's plenty more coming. If you didn't hear your name here, please don't be offended. I got you, and I'll, I'll shout you out later. I leave you with this. At watchrolling.com, remember that you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you. 